0: Church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon.
1: Mark chapter 6. How many understand this evening that the kingdom of God is different than our world that we live in? It's different in values. Morals, ethics, different in priorities, and different in ways that we view life. When we come into the kingdom of God, we are adopting a new view of the world. And part of the renewing of the mind that the Apostle Paul spoke about in Romans, he said, let our minds be renewed, right? And part of that renewing of our mind is adapting to a new view of the world, a new way to see our our uh, our lives and our place in this world. And I want to preach about one way that we've got to change the way we view the world and the way we view ourselves tonight. So in the West here where we live in, in the United States, there is something that I have observed in many people, it's a way of viewing the world, and it is something that I want to label tonight as a graduation mentality. What do I mean by that? It means that before you take on a certain task or a certain uh, uh, ability, that you that you have to uh, graduate. You have to achieve a level of ability in order to do certain things. Now, this works really well for some things in life. For example, driver's license. If you have a driver's license here, it means that you had to pass a few tests, right? That is something that is mandated by the state, and rightfully so. So before you get behind a two-ton killing machine, I want you to be able to pass a test, right? I want you to be able to understand what the road signs mean. I want you to understand how to use a blinker. Uh, I want you to understand the difference between the gas pedal and the brake pedal. right? And so we have a test. We have a written test and we have a driving test. And once you pass those tests, according to the Commonwealth of Virginia, now you can legally get behind the wheel of a vehicle. That's a good thing to have. Also medical doctors, right? And we're putting our lives in the hands of doctors and nurses, uh, you know, in the medical industry. Uh, we want to make sure that the people who are caring for, for others, that they have a certain level of integrity. They have a level of understanding and knowledge. And so there are benchmarks. There are tests, right, that, that you must pass in order to become a medical doctor that in that case this is a good thing but see the problem that i have observed is that there are people who take this mentality of i have to pass the test and reach the achievement if i am going to do something for the kingdom of god when we bring this mentality into the kingdom this can be detrimental and let me explain why There are some things in life that you're going to have to start before you feel ready to do them. Let me just repeat that for all of you starting to get uncomfortable. There are some things in life and God is going to require you and I to do some things before we graduate into them. I think about my own life and my own journey and how I got to this place standing behind this pulpit before you today. I can guarantee you that I have not felt prepared many, many times. If I only did things that I felt fully prepared for, let me give you a list of things that I would have never done. Okay? Are you ready? If I only did things that I felt prepared for or graduated, I would have never got saved in the first place. I would have never been engaged. I would have never gotten married. I would have never knocked on a door to outreach to win souls. If I only did things in life that I felt fully prepared for, I would never have preached on a street corner. I would never have joined ministry in my home church in Chandler. I would never have preached my first sermon. As I was making this list, I remember these images of what it was like to preach my first sermon in teen ministry in Chandler, Arizona. I was a nervous wreck. I don't even remember what I said, but I stood there and sweat for 45 minutes. And these poor teenagers had to listen to me. Right before I had to stand up to deliver my very first sermon, I told the leader of the teen ministry at the time, I said, I'm not ready I'm gonna to have to cancel Do you know what he told me he said just pre- preach what you got I said I'm not ready are, are it's gonna be ugly he said I don't care go stand up there and say something if I only did things that I felt fully prepared for I would have never preached that first sermon I for sure would have never become a pastor at the age of 25 I for sure would never have become a missionary at the age of 25 I for sure would never have preached in our church's Bible conference. I would never have taken over this church 10 years ago. And since then, if I only did things that I felt fully prepared for, I definitely would not have gone on world evangelism trips to Moldova, China, Tanzania, Philippines, Myanmar, Nigeria, Romania, Ukraine, or New York City. How many of you know every time we do one of those trips, it is daunting, it is frightening, and if we wait until we're fully prepared and fully graduated, we wouldn't have world missions trips, would we? And if I waited until I did things that I was fully prepared for, I would not be preaching this sermon tonight. So I want to encourage some people here from the Word of God that I believe there are people, God is calling you. To a ministry. God is calling you to a place. God is calling you to a purpose for his kingdom. But there are people who have been telling themselves, I'm not ready. I'm not graduated yet. I haven't passed all of my tests, pastor. And that's why I'm going to continue sitting here like a bump on a log. If we continue to put off the will of God... Feeling unprepared and unqualified, and we're never going to do it. It's like when I te- when I speak to to young people that, that you know they want to get married, and, and they say, "Pastor, I'm not ready financially. I can't do it. I'm not going to." And, and you know what I tell them? Just get married. You're never going to be ready. You're never going. to. Uh, I can't wait to ha- to have children, but you know, ten years from now, fifteen years, when I'm financially stable, then maybe then uh, just just have the children. You're never going to be ready for it. So just have the children, right? It's what we learn in life, that once we're on the job, God is able to help us. Some things in life require OTJ training, on-the-job training. And I have discovered in my life the same thing that these disciples discovered, that God's not going to wait for you to feel qualified. God's not going to wait for you to feel comfortable. God's not going to wait. His will and his purpose is not going to wait until you have achieved some level of spirituality in your mind and achieved some master divinity course or you've gone, you know, you've reached the highest pinnacle and now, now I've been now I can come down from the mountain and do the will of God. I think if we will just start, God will empower us. That's the story we find in our scripture tonight. In Mark chapter 6, I want to share it with you as Jesus sends the twelve long before they're ready. Are you ready for this? Mark 6, verse 7. He called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power. Say the word power. He gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He also said to them, Whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Verse 12. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. I pray, God, that you would shake some people here tonight. You would wake us up out of our spiritual and ministerial slumber. God, that we can get busy for your kingdom, that we can do something powerful for you. While we have time, God so little time that is left, and so many souls that need to be saved. Pray that you'd give us a vision for our place in your kingdom tonight in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Sermon was born as I was speaking to a young man just over the last few days. And a young man that uh, has come to our church a few times, and I've kept in contact with him. And recently he's been, uh, he's part of another church, and, and he's been interested in, in, um, uh, perhaps uh, uh, a calling to, uh, to become a minister in some capacity. And, and uh, so as I'm, I'm speaking with him, and he's sharing with me his plans for the, for the next few years, and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm planning to go back to school. I'm going to go to this such and such a school, and I'm going to get this such and such degree because I want to be able to go into this such and such a place. And uh, and, so, and at the end of all of that, he says, all I really want to do is help people. And when I read that, you know what I thought about, I wonder if this guy has even talked to the person next door about Jesus. In his mind, is what is in the mind of many of God's people, is the idea that I could never really do God's will until I graduate, until I get to the top of my intellectual journey with God. I'm here to bust that bubble here tonight. I'm here to... Uh, to remind you that the kingdom of God is filled with misfits. The kingdom of God is populated by the untrained, uneducated lay people in churches across America. They are not the special, highly, uh, highly achieved. They are not the highly educated. The people of God, the ones who are doing the work, the ones who are the hands and the feet of Jesus are people like you. So let's look at how these disciples overcame their lack of education, how they overcame their lack of preparation, their lack of qualifications, and all the other Asians that they didn't have. How did they do it? Let's see. Verse 7. It says first that he called the 12 to himself. This is critical if you are going to be part of God's will for your life. You've got to be close to Jesus. The timing of this story in the Gospel accounts is estimated to be right about at the halfway point of Jesus' earthly ministry. In other words, that He has called the disciples uh, to follow Him, and you know, we know that His ministry on earth was approximately three and a half years. So about one and a half to two years in, now, now is the time, they, they've had a little bit of time to follow Jesus, to watch Him as He... Praise for people to listen to his sermons, to uh, to watch him go into cities and deal with situations and talk to people. They have they have enough uh, relationship. They have enough time that they've seen Jesus do a few things in life, right? And it says that Jesus called them to himself. This is so powerful tonight. If we want to do the will of God, we've got to have a, our own personal connection to Jesus in other words there is no there there, there's no such thing as I I know a guy who knows Jesus and now I'm gonna do the will of God I can't serve God if my connection to God is through my pastor or my connection to God is through a YouTube channel that I watch or my connection to God is the Christian memes that get posted on my Facebook page You've got to have your own connection with God. I don't believe that God saves anybody without also giving you a purpose and a destiny. My job as a pastor is to help you figure out what that destiny is and to do it. And I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to do it unless you have your own personal connection to Jesus. The call is not to a church membership. The call is not to a denomination or a fellowship or a group of churches. The call is not to some position or title. The call tonight is to Jesus Himself, a personal call to be in the presence of Jesus, and there's nothing that can replace that. No education can replace that. No master of divinity can replace that. In fact, many times, with Pastor Mitchell, his, his testimony was that, uh, that when he was going to seminary, that uh, half of the people that he was attending with were all backslidden. And he also testified that when he had disciples that wanted to preach the gospel, he at first he had the idea, well, I went to seminary to prepare. I better send these disciples in. And he said that they would go to seminary, they'd come back six months later, and they'd come back with a funky attitude. The call tonight, it is possible for us to have a lot of knowledge and information in our head and still be complete idiots spiritually. What we must have first and foremost is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. John seven thirty seven On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus cried out and said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It's it should be obvious, but Jesus did not say come to the church and drink. He didn't say go to the synagogue and drink. He didn't say uh, you know go to your to your Christian Pilates class and drink. He said come to me. Do you have a personal connection to Jesus? Do you do you speak to him? You talk to him? Does he talk to you? This is why the Bible reading plan is so critical, isn't it? Because God speaks through His Word. You must have a person, personal connection to Jesus. Secondly, He gave them purpose. Look at verse 7. He called the twelve to Himself, and He began to send them out. Say the word, began. That gives us a hint, doesn't it? That this is probably the first time Jesus is putting this goal in front of them. Up until this moment, Jesus has not asked them to do this he began to send them out it takes place as i mentioned about halfway through his earthly ministry so these men they're not novices it's not like they're they're brand new greenies they're noobs to the uh, to the to you know following jesus but also they're not experts only following jesus for a year maybe year and a half I can guarantee you that there, was, that there was disciples, there was many out of the 12 that were telling themselves, I'm not ready for this. I'm not, I've seen you do it, Jesus, but I don't think I can do it. I mean, you're Jesus, you're the son of God, you were born of the Virgin Mary, like you have perfect knowledge of all things. I know you can do it, Jesus, but I'm not you. How many know it's very easy to get stuck right there? I believe that there are millions of Christians today and maybe some here in the service tonight who are stuck in exactly the same place. I would describe this as the difficult area of spiritual pubescence. It reminds me of what it's like to be a teenager. Being a teenager is uh, this weird in-between time of life, right? You're, you're, you're old enough to have some adult thoughts about life you you under begin to understand things about life your body is going through incredible changes and uh you know voice begins to crack and change and you know hair starts growing in weird places and and but more than that it's it's the form of thinking it's all of a sudden your connection to the family is not as strong as it used to be you start looking out for peers and friends and and you have some adult uh understanding of life but when you're 14 years old, you can't just move out, right? You're still connected. You're still home. You're, you, you're legally, you're still a child. And this is the problem with teenagers. Uh, that the, the, the scientists have done studies on this, is that their brains are literally not functioning at 100%. Teenagers are brain damaged. It's okay because God's going to help you. Your brain is still growing. And uh, when you get to 18, 19, 20 years old, then your brain will start fully functioning. It's a wonderful thing. But this is why we don't let 14-year-olds drive cars, why we don't let them make decisions about where they can live. They still are under the authority of their parents, and especially we don't let them make decisions about which gender they want to be. God help us. But this pubescent time of life where you have Adult feelings and adult thoughts and an adult view on life, but technically still a child, right? Still not able to move out to get a job. To And I can remember what that was like for myself, being very frustrated for a few years there. I think that there are Christians who are living in spiritual pubescence. You know that God has called you to do more than what you're doing. God has called you to move past the things that you are still struggling with. But because of your own failures, because of your own lack of priorities, because of your own love of the world, or perhaps even laziness, you are still a spiritual pubescent. The Apostle Paul rebuked the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 for being in this pubescent state. He said, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in christ i fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it and even now you are still not able he says i wish i could cook up a t-bone and slice it up and put it in front of you but i can't i can't give you the things i want to speak to you about i can't tell you the hard truths that you need to hear because i need to give you another baba I need to make sure that you're not going to to, to be an idiot tomorrow. He's uh, He's saying, I wish that you would have developed more by now. This is the frustration of many pastors. Hebrews 5, verse 12. By this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again. The first principles. He's saying, go back to square one. Gentlemen, this is a football Sometimes we need to go back to the basics because we've lost our way. And this is why I want to preach this message tonight. I believe that there are untapped resources in our church. There is untapped time, treasure, and talent that God has called you to use for the kingdom. God has called you to put your life and your talents on the line to put you in leadership and in positions listen do you think that that the reason that i'm up here playing the guitar and leading the song service every night is because i want to heck no i would love to pass that off to somebody else but i don't know who that someone else is do you think that i enjoy leading every every other ministry that the church does Not everything we have. We have some people in place. Thank God, there's some faithful people. But what I'm saying here tonight is, I think there are some untapped resources. There are some buried talents. There are some people who could be doing more and are not. And I'm wondering why. And for some, I think that that reason is what I'm talking about tonight. You're telling yourself, "I'm not ready. I'm not there yet, Pastor." I'm going to sit on it for a few more years. And by receiving that lie, the enemy has completely paralyzed you and he has, he has uh, wounded the church of Jesus Christ. I'm here to push you out of your nest tonight so that you can fly. What is up, Sermon Podcast listeners? This is Pastor Adam from the Virginia Beach Potter's House. Wanted to say thank you again for listening to this podcast. We hope that you have been enjoying the new daily podcast format. We have been doing our best to post a daily sermon, uh, either from our church or from around the fellowship. We want to ask a couple of favors of you, if you don't mind. First of all, if you are listening to this, make sure that you are subscribed. There's a lot of people who are listening to these and navigating to them uh, every single day, uh, but it would be better for you and a whole lot better for us if you make sure that you are subscribed so that you get daily sermons der- delivered directly to your phone, or your computer. Uh, The next thing I want to ask you to do is make sure that you leave us a review. We want to ask you, if you're enjoying the daily podcast fellowship sermons from around the world, please, please go and uh, give us a rating, give us a five stars. uh, And if you enjoy this, we want to ask you to please share this. No doubt there's people in your church ...that would enjoy listening to a daily sermon from around the Fellowship. The third big thing I want to ask you to do is I want to talk to the sound booth guy in your church. And I believe that there are some treasure trove sermons out there. We've built a platform that uh, I believe... We could use for the kingdom, and no doubt that there are some of you. You know somebody who knows somebody who's got about ten thousand sermons in the sound booth that they've been sitting on, or or maybe you've got a sermon that you think uh, would be great to share on this sermon podcast. We want to hear from you. We want to we want to get our hands on those uh, on those sermons so that we can publish them and we can get them out to the rest of our fellowship. So those are my big three requests. Uh, we want to say thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Thanks a lot, guys. So we have the person that we need. We have the purpose that we need, and then Jesus he gives them the he gives them the people. Jesus said he gave them a call to send. Listen, listen to that scripture, verse seven. He called the 12 to himself, and he began to send them out. Uh, when I saw that song tonight, I said, we've got to sing that song because we're going to talk about sending. Oh, man, one of the things that drives me crazy is people who sing the words, but they don't mean them. <laughs> I remember uh, coming back from the mission field, Taya and I, we were sitting in the conference, <laughs> and we were looking around at a vast audience of thousands of people and they've all got their hands in the air, and they're all singing, Here am I, send me, I will go, I will not hold back anything. And we're the ones who've actually been out there, you know what I'm saying? And we're looking around and saying, You haven't been anywhere. So frustrating. Sometimes singing these songs and thinking about the people who are singing them can frustrate a pastor. Jesus, Lord of my salvation, Savior of my soul. Send me out to the world to make you known. Easy to sing. Much harder to do, right? I want to be your hands and feet. I want to be your voice every time I speak. I want to run to the ones in need in the name of Jesus. If there was Christians who actually did that, There'd be nobody, there'd be no sinners left in Virginia Beach. I want to give my life away. All for your kingdom's sake, shine a light in the darkest place. In the name of Jesus, God help us. Can I remind you that there's still a mission? Jesus sent them out because you know what? He couldn't do it on his own. Well, he could. I mean, he's God, right? He could have, uh, he could have taken over the brainwaves of every human being on earth, Right? And he could have just spoken, and everyone at the same time would hear the same message of the gospel. Jesus surely could have done that. Or he could have simply, you know, uh, uh, written his finger and and caused the clouds to form in a certain way that everyone could read the message of the gospel. He really could have done that if he wanted to. But he never did, and he still doesn't. Why? Because he asks you and I to be the ones who carry his message the call was to be sent let me just remind you today i looked up the statistics do you know how many people die in the world every single day approximately 140,000 it's about one every half a second stepping into eternity standing before god giving an account of their life and the vast majority of them without jesus half a second, some of them your friends, some of them your neighbors, some of them on another side of the planet in a country you've never heard of, standing before God. Does that still move you? still moves me. What are you doing about it? Jesus cares about them. He shed his blood for them. And the only way that they're going to hear is if there's a preacher. And the only way that there will be a preacher is if someone sends you The will of God brings us in and then sends us out. The church is not a place for us to feel comfortable and gather together and have nice fellowship. Not just about that. The church is a place where we come together to to get sent out again. Jesus is our example as missionary, right? Jesus, the original missionary, The one who had a comfy position in heaven at the right hand of the Father, sent to the world, chose to take on the sin of humanity, to give up his place and prominence so that a world could be saved. What are you willing to do? Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, if you're going to do this, you've got to be sent. I like what it says next. He also gave us the people that we need. Verse 7, still, he called to the twelve, and began to send them out two by two. Everybody say, two by two. That's more than just a board at Lowe's. Two by two is a a statement of relationship. Thank God Jesus didn't send them out one at a time. He sent them out two by two. He did not send 12 individual disciples. He sent six groups of two. And by doing that, what he's telling us is that relationships in the kingdom are critical do you know what happens if we go out one by one we'll get sidetracked the weirdest people in the world are those lone ranger christians the ones who maybe had some some revelation from god but they're not going to church they're not, you know, it's just, just me and my Bible to the rapture, pastor. And I, I don't need any other Christ, I don't need any other accountability. I don't need any friends in Jesus. I, those are the weirdest people I've ever met. Thank God for two by two. Relationships are critical for successful ministry. For this reason, this is why our fellowship only launches married couples to start new churches ecclesiastes 4 9 and 10 two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor for if they fall one will lift up his companion but woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up can i tell you one of your greatest assets in the kingdom of god for reaching your potential is your relationships in the body of christ what a wonderful picture we have is as, the, as the, the 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 gospel, the uh, the apostle Paul gives us the image of the church is like a body, and different bodies having uh, different members, different pieces of our body operating individually, but without one another, we would not be able to do anything. In your body, you know, you you have lungs, you have a heart, you have a liver, you have kidneys, you have You have uh, skin, you have nostrils, you have eyes. You have all these different parts of you that individually they're doing their own thing. But a pair of eyes, if you pull them out of your head and drop them on the table, they're not going to do much on their own, right? The eyes need the rest of the body. The hand needs the arm, needs the elbow, needs the shoulder, needs the back, needs the torso, needs the brain. Every part of your body is dependent on the rest so is the church. And so are you. It's why we don't, we, we, we can't have this anonymous Christianity where we just go to church, listen to the, the, the preacher, and then go home and enjoy our time alone. Can't do it. You've got to have relationships in the kingdom. He gave them the power that they needed. Verse 7. Again, he called to the 12, he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them. Power over unclean spirits. Here is a powerful truth that you will understand that God will never call you to something that He also will not give you the equipment and the preparation you need. The problem is that we don't often receive the preparation and the equipment that we need until we step out into it. (laughs) In fact, Jesus goes on to tell them, listen, I don't want you to bring nothing with you. I don't want you to bring nothing," he said. "I'll tell you what you're going to need. You're going to need power from me. You're going to need the Holy Spirit, and beyond that, I don't want you to take a bag. Right? No suitcases allowed, because you're going to need to be uh, you're going to need to be nimble. You're going to need to uh, to to respond quickly to situations. So no baggage," he says. "I also you, you don't need to bring your own bread. Bread." Wait, does that mean I'm going to get hungry? He said, you don't worry about that. I will worry about your sustenance. I will make sure. Look, I can feed the birds. I can feed you. Isn't it interesting? I preached that message some time ago about the the manna that fell in the wilderness. And God, when he dropped the manna down from heaven, they woke up every morning and they walked outside. There it was, manna. We don't know what it is. That's what we'll call it, manna. What is it? Literal translation. And the Bible said that they would only gather enough for one day. One day. Can you imagine? Wouldn't it be nice if God just dumped a year's supply on them? That would have been much easier, right? God, give us the year's worth. Let's go to Costco for manna. And let's let's dump it all in the back of the tent, man. So that way, we got the giant pile. We got a year's worth of manna. That's what we need, God. God didn't do that. He said, one day, I'm going to give you just enough for what you need every day. Oh, we don't like that, do we? God, please, please, don't, far be it from me, Lord. Listen, God is able to supply our needs, isn't he? Ravens, God sent ravens to feed the prophet Elijah. If he can do that, and he can give you what you need when you need it. He says, I don't want you to bring, uh, to bring bread nor copper money in your belt. Don't put on two tunics. It's interesting. Just one is good enough. You know what the tunics were all, all about, right? The tunics were about an image. What kind of image are you putting off? The tunic speaks about how other people are going to think about you. And these things that Jesus mentioned in the scripture, that he said, don't worry about these things, just go out there. The bag, the bread, the copper, and the tunics. I wonder how many Christians have failed to reach their potential. Because of baggage, because of daily needs, because of money, the love of money, and because of image You know what I love about this scripture? These were not trained, educated men. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were ordinary people of the day. But the Bible says that when they obeyed the word of Jesus, that they accomplished the will of God. Verse 12 says that they went out and they preached that people should repent. Obedience is necessary if we're going to do God's will. You can't do it your own way or the way you think it should be done. It said that they preached that people should repent. That's not always the easiest message to preach, is it? But it was the same message that Jesus preached. They simply saw what Jesus did and repeated it. We talked about discipleship. Discipleship means learning from the teacher. But more than that, it means imitating the teacher. Says said, we're going to preach the same message that we've heard. There's no deviation the same message the same sermon i'm going to take the same three points pastor jesus and i'm just going to take it to the city and guess what it worked it said verse 13 they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them they were not do you think that when the day started that they felt confident and ready to do this i know i wouldn't have jesus are you are you sure we're ready for this i mean look at us We barely got it together. And they didn't have everything together, did they? They were not polished. They were not refined. Oh, but they were obedient. And they stepped in to their calling. They stepped out to begin to take upon themselves the the gospel and the call of the Great Commission to win the lost at any cost. And they began to step out. And as they were stepping out, God says, now I'll give you the power. Now I'll give you the strength now i'll give you the confidence now i'm going to help you but not before so the question we close with is what are you waiting for what are you waiting for why do you delay why do you put it off the time that we have is so limited how many know that time is passing so quickly and we need every member of the body to work i don't want to have a body that is half paralyzed i don't want to have a body where vital organs are shutting down i don't want to have a body where i one eye works half of the time and the other eye i don't want to i want i don't want to have one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel as a church I want to have a vital body. I want to have a church that is thriving. But listen, every member of the body called to do many things, but simply in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the day that you're going to be ready? Are you waiting for the day that you're going to be prepared? You're going to be waiting forever. You're going to get to heaven. And He's going to say to you, how come you never did anything? Because I wasn't ready. You heard the old Jewish fable, right? The man who's you know in the middle of a flood. And as the waters start to rise up to his house, he says to himself, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you that you are going to save me. As the water comes up to his front door, there's a person in a big truck that rolls up in front of his house and says, Yeah, I'm here to save you. What did you come with me? He says, No, no, no. No, I'm waiting for the Lord to save me. The water continues to rise as it gets up to the top of his front door. And there's a little boat, a little boat from the police. They come by and they say, please, come come jump in our boat. We want to save you. He says, nope. I'm waiting for the Lord to rescue me. The waters continue to rise. He has to climb on top of the roof. And now he's sitting on the only part of his house still above water is the chimney. And he's praying, Lord, Lord, please save me, please. I'm trusting you. And just as he's praying, a helicopter chooka 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 hovers directly over his chimney. They drop a ladder to him and they say, come, come, we want to save you. He said, No, I'm waiting for the Lord. The floodwaters rise and he drowns and he stands before God. And God says, why were you so stupid? Lord, I was waiting for you to save me. He said, I, I sent you a truck. I sent you a boat. And then I sent you a helicopter. If you're waiting for God to empower you and strengthen you, you're going to keep waiting. You've got to step out in faith. (laughs) Abraham stepped out at the promise of God, not knowing where he was going. What are you waiting for? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.
0: We thank you again for listening.